FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 338 of the podcast that goes snicked. It's a bonus flashback episode, the Extinction Agenda Aftermath. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and this bite-sized chunk of 90s goodness, um, kind of looking at it in two ways. Um, so if all goes according to plan... This is going to drop at the same time as episode 337, which is a glorious flashback episode featuring John Wilson about the Wolverine solo series. Or, you can also kind of see this as a companion episode, like almost a a PS, to the Extinction Agenda episode, uh, episode 335, that we just did with the Escalabros. you know, either way, you know, I mentioned when I was recording with John on, on the last, or the episode that comes out, this one, hopefully, um, that it's getting harder and harder to put Wolverine in a timeline. You know, we're getting to the 90s glut, kind of in full effect. Um, and the Uncanny Story and the Wolverine solo series kind of both run pretty uninterrupted uh, for pretty lengthy runs and trying to kind of bounce back and forth between them um I mean I'm gonna have to somewhat I think but you know it's hard to say because this definitely happens right after Extinction Agenda um uh, we're talking about episode Uncanny X-Men or issue Uncanny X-Men 273 um by the way did I say my name I'm your host Jason Venable if I didn't say it I meant to (laughs) <laughs> anyway, going too fast for my own good, I guess. Um, yeah, so it definitely flows right out of Extinction Agenda, but also kind of, you know, at some point you have to jump back over to what's going on with uh, with Hammer Time over in uh, the Wolverine solo series, because those stories don't really... It's not really a good place <laughs> necessarily to take a break and say, hey, Wolverine's also over here doing X-Men stuff. So, I don't know. Um, I'm going to go as much as I can with the complete Marvel reading order until, you know, at any point it doesn't feel like it makes sense to, to do that anymore. So, we're going to cover Uncanny X-Men 273. Just a quick kind of segue issue, and this really probably will be a pretty quick episode. Um... But, you know, I wanted to kind of wrap up, like, this story as it moves into the story that's going to um, lead to the the surprising return of a long-lost X-Men character. Um, you know, give or take. Um, well, I guess, I, I guess it's not really, I mean, other than the fact that you can't really spoil a comic from almost 30 years ago. Um... Also, on the cover of this comic, <laughs> which is by Jim Lee and Scott Williams, says, uh, Follow me, X-Men, or Professor X dies. And Professor X has been 
missing from the X-Men comics for quite some time. I meant to look up the issue and I forgot. Um, but it's been a while, a hot minute, as the kids would say. Um, no, I don't think they do anymore. <laughs> and I never did, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, Uncanny X-Men 273 um, is Too Many Mutants. Um, and it is, wow, this is a jam issue, as you would call it, starring the Uncanny X-Men plus X-Factor plus the New Mutants, and the alternate title is Whose House Is This Anyway? So it's written by Chris Claremont, but the art is by Wells Portatio, Klaus Jansen, John Byrne, Rick Leonardi, Mark Silvestri, Michael Golden, Larry Stroman, and Jim Lee. And then it's all inked by Scott Williams, which actually gives it a little bit of visual continuity. You know, you have some kind of disparate styles there. Um, and then, of course, it's Leonard and this time we're colored by Joe Rosas. So I mentioned a minute ago we have the cover by Jim Lee. Um, which is kind of from behind a shadowy figure in a miniskirt. Um, her legs are front and center. <laughs> Though they're in they're in shadow, but they're still pretty well defined. Uh, she's got on a polka dot dress and some leather gloves and some some boots a little bit past her ankle. And then looking from between her legs, which is kind of an odd perspective, um, especially for a female hero in a in a miniskirt. We see all of our X-Men and friends. Um, Wolverine is in the foreground, front and center. Uh, behind him is the newly re-adulted Storm. Then Jean Grey and Psylocke. And then kind of the line behind them would be uh, Jubilee and Cable with a gun. And then back behind them is Cyclops and Gambit and Sunspot and Cannonball. And then way back in the back we have Beast. And then flying in the air in the background we have Archangel and Banshee. Um, you know, it's a pretty good cover. A pretty nice image. It's kind of a, it's a little crowded possibly. But in, like I said, the perspective is a little weird. Because it kind of looks like you're trying, like, you're some creepo trying to look up the skirt maybe a little bit. Which is, you know, odd. But, or at least an odd choice. One, well, maybe not all that odd for 1990s comics, but it should be odd. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be so normal. <laughs> but that's where we were at the time, I guess. But, you know, all in all, a good cover. You know, Jim Lee's really exploring uh, Psylocke's leg bands and kind of the different uh, widths and, and patterns on her, her ninja legs there. Um, so anyway, um, coming out of Extinction Agenda, we have all our, our mutant families kind of back at what's left of the mansion, you know, returning from Genosha, trying to figure out what to do, um, and they're in the war room, which, they act like this is kind of a common thing, I don't really know if I remember them having, I, obviously, obviously we all know the danger room. I don't remember the war room being necessarily a thing by title, but this it's kind of interesting. They have like a, almost it's almost like a Star Wars type feel, right? 
there's like this big room with some displays and some electronics which we'll get to in a second but then kind of like above that above the floor is almost like a like a, a bridge from like a starship and it's, you know it's got railing and we, our first page which is obviously by Mr. Uh, Portacio um, you know that because Storm has her right arm has Portacio arm <laughs> but Jean actually looks pretty great and Scott looks pretty good too um you know, Potatio is just about, or maybe concurrently to this issue, uh, kicking off his X-Factor run, which has some pretty huge ramifications. We won't really talk much about that run on here, but I will definitely be tweeting about it for sure. So, you know, you can look for that on the Twitter, a little Twitter plug there, um, as we go through the, these issues concurrently. Um, anyway, so we have Storm, Jean Grey, and Cyclops kind of leaning on the banister, kind of the big three, I guess, leaders right now. Of course, Scott and Gene from, are currently in X-Factor, leading that team. And Storm is kind of just de facto slid back into leadership of the newly rejoined X-Men. The X-Men are kind of back together again for the first time in a while, since they all kind of left the outback, the Siege Perilous, and ended up all over the place. Um, you know, including Storm as a little girl, you know, came back with Gambit for Extinction Agenda and is now kind of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm the leader again. Um, and what they're doing from this bridge, besides getting a nice big old team shot, um, you know, they list everybody here. We have Storm, Cannonball, Banshee, Boom Boom, Jubilee, Cable, Wolverine, of course, Psylocke, Beast, Archangel, Richter, Gambit, Iceman, Sunspot, Forge, Cyclops, and Jean Grey. And, um, yeah, they're looking basically at this giant, I guess, hologram of the globe. And they're identifying kind of all their big known threats. And Cable's like, alright, we gotta take the fight to them. We hit them hard, hit them fast. And, um, you know, we got the power people past time we used it. And so, they identify some things. In, uh, in Manhattan, the threat are the Hellfire Club and Mask, Mascus, <laughs> Morlocks. Um, then in East Asia, we have the Hand. And I, I uh, with Wolverine there, you probably also mentioned, you know, just some various Madripoor bad guys. Um, then somewhere unknown... We have Fenris is a threat. Then, of course, in Australia, we still have the Reavers going on. In Genosha, we, you know, we just left Genosha. This is a new threat, right? The magistrates, the press gang, um, even though they just buried his head under some rubble, I guess they're still listing Commander, which is Cameron Hodge. Um, they kind of say that like that's his like, code name. Like, I'm the Commander, like Cobra Commander, but. You know, I, I can't tell if they're just saying he was a commander in Genosha or that's like his t like his name. So name or title, I don't know. But um, then also they mention uh, the Savage Land, uh, Zaladane, which, I, you know, I, I, that is probably a current threat. I haven't heard from them in a while, but yeah. And Cable, like, wants to make like a kind of a, a hit list, I guess. Like, we're going to go after these guys so they can come after us. We've assessed the threats. We've identified where they are. We have lots of power in this room. Let's use it and, and go after these guys and 
the rest of the mutants leaders kind of have a disagreement like Storm's like is violence your only solution Cable and he's kind of like yeah <laughs> and uh, Cyclops and, and Jean don't really agree either they kind of come out from the other side and say we're not you and he's like well no kidding um, and they don't really necessarily want to fight but Cable's like you need to learn how to fight you know, that's why the storm took the X-Men underground, letting the world, friends, foe, even family, believe they'd all been killed in Dallas. They had the freedom to strike the enemies with a greater degree of impunity to put the fear of mutants in them. Right, Storm? And Storm's like, well, yeah, but uh, maybe, you know, in hindsight, maybe shouldn't have done that. Maybe shouldn't have been so violent during Mutant Massacre. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, and Cable says, you guys are all a bunch of yellow bell and softies. And I'm going to lead these teams. I'm the, the leader these teams need. You guys are weak. And uh, I'm best equipped for the job. I have the strategic mind. I have the vague powers. <laughs> I I tell you I'm a mutant though I don't really haven't really actually done much of anything other than that a normal human couldn't do yet. I mean obviously he will, but hasn't really had. I mean, I was trying to think like in the New Mutants book so far hasn't really just had a clearly defined power set yet. Besides big shoulder pads and big guns and his bionics, but none of that's really necessarily. I mean, he's definitely identified as a mutant for sure. Like he's definitely a mutant, but hasn't really kind of figured out exactly what his powers are going to be yet. And I'm wondering if his powers don't really get clearly defined until he does, because of his lineage. Um, I don't know. But anyway, uh, Cyclops is like, you be the leader, whatever. And Jean Grey's like, we're not warriors, Cable. Charles Xavier didn't found the school or the teens that come here just to fight wars. Or did he? <laughs> Guess it depends on which retcon you're, you're leaning into. Um, yeah, so then we switch. I think that was the Michael Golden page, maybe. The face, Cable's face looks very Golden-esque. Um, then we switch to, obviously, the John Byrne page, and they argue some more. Uh, Cable says, look around. This world is messy, bloody, brutal, cruel. Your precious schools and ruins and if people don't start getting your ass together and right quickly, that graveyard up top is going to get real crowded. And he quotes, you know, what just kind of happened here. Warlock and Cypher dead. Wolf's Bane's stayed in Genosha. Uh, you know, he hasn't mentioned it, but Havoc also did. And Storm's like, how dare you? Who do you think you are to talk to us this way? you old new mutant <laughs> you don't know anything about us or our dream and he says do you do any of you anymore splintered splintered into all these handfuls of teams running all over the map no focus less direction half the time doing your enemy's job for them could be i'm wrong i accept that but it strikes me i'm your last vast your last best hope for salvation and Scott says, if that's the case, the price is too high. And he says, all right, Cyclops, you want to be a leader? Do it. But someone better do something, and he leaves out the room. You know, and it's not that his points are all bad. I mean, obviously the X-Men want to try to do things a little more 
calmly, but you understand maybe some of the appeal that he would have and why some of the more disenfranchised mutants, like the new mutants, who will soon be X-Force, um, would kind of get in line behind that. And it makes sense, right? Um, so then we can go to another page, and Boom Boom wants to take a shower, but Iceman's been in there, um, and Cable bangs on the door and tells Iceman to quit being a loser, and he's like, okay, I'm done, and Boom Boom goes in, but everything's frozen, and Iceman laughs, because he's, you know, the prankster, right? Um, and so Storm and Jean and Cyclops are continuing their conversation, it's like, I, I don't, what are we going to do? What, what are we going to do as a team? What are we going to do with this Cable guy? Probably need to keep an eye on him. Um, you know, we're it's too crowded here. Um, you know, maybe we should all go back to the X Factor ship. And um, Storm, you know, comments again that maybe what we did, what I did, what the X Men did under my leadership after Dallas was was not right. Um, should we really kind of be going to a spaceship? We should rebuild the school. Um, and Cyclops is like, well, we're trying to build, you know, a, a safe haven for mutants. In fact, humans can't even get in the ship. Like, it's designed that only mutants can pass through the, the barrier to get in. And Storm says, that's not really the dream of integration that we've been fighting for. That sounds a lot like, you know, maybe not as mean, but Magneto, you know, the whole homo superior thing. Maybe we should, you know, stay here and try to coexist and... Then Gene says, speaking of Magneto, did you read Acts of Vengeance? He fought Iron Man. That was bad, huh? Like, he's kind of turning back into a bad guy. I wonder if that's going to come back and, and bite us in the future. <laughs> Psst, it will. Um, and Storm says, maybe I was wrong to trust him. Um, you know, but he did good with the new mutants. He was a good teacher. And Scott's like, well, is Cable a good teacher? I mean... We, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of a lot of kind of trying to figure things out in this issue. Just kind of, by the way. Um, and Storm says, "No, you're right. Magneto's peripheral. You know, we'll deal with him when the time comes. Right now, we need to deal with Cable. Um, have either of you considered that he's making some good points and might be right? Things have changed a lot the last few years. You know." changed a lot with you guys the original team and kind of my team you know the the giant size team like stuff just keeps changing and now we have the new mutants and beyond and you know how, how are we going to take care of xavier's dream um maybe we need some young blood it's weird to think of cable as being kind of young blood and the voice of the future oh maybe <laughs> um you know as an old grizzled warrior but um you know maybe the dream needs to pass on she says but she's not sure um so then banshee gets on the the video phone with moira and she's still her super sassy self of course because she's taken over by um uh, uh 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 malice and um she tries to have like a holographic makeout with Banshee and Beast is like, oh my stars and garters. And Banshee's like, butt out. And he leaves. And so the Beast and Forge are trying to work on is there a way like scientifically or through one of Forge's magic mutant inventions to kind of 
help Wolfsbane and not just get her back to her normal power and not this mutate power. And then we go to the room we all know and love, the Danger Room, and Cannonball and Archangel are having a cool session. It's a cool little visual. Um, pretty sure these pages are by Rick Leonardi. Um, and it's cool. It's a nice little fight. And then we go back topside and Storm is still being morose and melodramatic and kind of moony and broody <laughs> walking around. And Gambit shows up, tosses her bag and says, Alright, kid, let's get out of here. And she's like, I can't. I can't leave my team. Um, and he's like, well, you got to stick around and be the leader? And she's like, well, I don't... He's like, do it. Well, that's what you want to do. That's fine. I'll stay with you, but do it. You know, you were so so happy, so carefree, you know, when, you, when we were running around still and stuff. And now you're all grown up again and, and you know, you got to tip your toe around and be all timid. He's like, if you're going to stay here, then be Storm. Yeah, not, not a bad little pep talk. Um, and then we go back and Boom Boom is trying to get back at Iceman. And Psylocke comes in. Uh, definitely some Jim Lee pages here. Um, and Psylocke definitely, like I said, sporting the, the really random uh, leg strappings. Um, and she interrupts Bobby and Boom Boom. Uh, Boom Boom sticks some uh, time bomb down his boxer shorts. Um, and like an explosive wedgie, I guess. And Gene comes to get him, and so everyone's kind of splitting up. Now Gene's hitting the showers and uh, is censored by some steam. Uh, she's taking a shower, and Psylocke's kind of in there talking to her. And she, she kind of, you know, for the first time, kind of opens up and is like, well, you know, here's my story. <laughs> I don't really know what how how to handle it. You know, I, I'm I'm in a new body, but I kind of like it. Um, I still have purple hair. That's cool, but everything else has changed. And you know, I don't know if the change is more than just a surface change. Like, did did I change in this process as well? And you know, the hand tried to brainwash me, and, and they did. And you know. Will I ever be truly free of their presence? I mean, Wolverine says I am, and, you know, I hope he's right, but, you know, no one's exactly really sure what's going on with him either. <laughs> and right on cue, we get our our hero of the podcast. He's the podcast that goes, Nick, took a while to get to Wolverine, but here he is in the danger room fighting Gambit. And, you know, Gambit's a new hotshot newcomer, and I think, you know, it's kind of a... An interesting fight that we'll see some more a little bit later as they kind of become rivals. You know, because early 90s, probably the two hottest X-Men, right, would be Wolverine and Gambit. Um, kind of the two, quote-unquote, coolest members of the team. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see them kind of fight it out here. Um, and they're having a pretty good fight, but Jubilee's up in the control room, and she thinks Wolverine's going too hard. Like, he's been too injured, too tired of late. His healing factor doesn't seem to be working, you know, quite right. And, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing this right now. And then she thinks, are you mad? Because Gambit, you know, is making some moves on Storm, maybe. Um, and she's like, well, who cares about Storm? You should only be worried about me. I'm the one that saved you. So, I mean, it's funny because I think 
Gambit and Jubilee are both in a similar place in that they're kind of protective and possessive of what they've had, you know, recently. You know, Stor- or Gambit running around with, with Kid Storm kind of had like a really good thing going. It was really enjoying kind of their life together. And now that's kind of being challenged. And not necessarily it's a bad thing. It's just a different thing. And kind of mourning the loss of, of what that's been. And Jubilee kind of the same way. It's just, I mean, she saved Wolverine. And Wolverine was very grateful. And they kind of ran around and eventually bumped into Psylocke. And they were a, a trio for a while. But it's kind of been just them. And Jubilee and Wolverine against the world. And now... You know, being kind of folded back into the X-Men, I think, you know, mourning that kind of intimate relationship. Now it's going to open up and other people are going to be involved. And, you know, I mean, it's it's natural. It doesn't have to be, like, it's not romantic. It's not creepy. <laughs> Even though Gambit tried to make it creepy during a sanction agenda where he's like, the next kiss better be for me when Storm was, you know, lightning kissing everybody. Um, but, you know, there's a really cool scene, uh, Gambit, almost like Nightwinging around this room and, and Wolverine hopping around uh, with a bunch of planes, like a, like an abandoned airfield. Kind of like the one, the, the plane graveyard where him and Storm um, got that plane out out um, when they were joining up together and Storm was hiding. Um, so it's very reminiscent of that. And... Um, so Gamus, you know, kind of decides he's going to stay. And then there's a simulation of Lady Deathstrike, which I, thought, I think is interesting because Jubilee's like, no, what, what, who, who pulled that up? And Wolverine gets pretty mad when he gets this snicked and, you know, talks about the rivalry, which, which is interesting because what, whatever order you read this in, you know, whether he's about to go fight Deathstrike or just fought Deathstrike in... And the last episode we just covered, you know, is, is pretty good timing. Um, it's a pretty rad panel of him cutting through the simulation. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty mad, pretty bothered by the appearance of, of Lady Deathstrike, even if it's not real. Um, and, you know, it kind of gets into their backstory just briefly, just in a couple of panels. You know, her, her motive of revenge and... And Wolverine, like, I'm not going to let you kill me. <laughs> and so then it's over. And he kind of feels sympathy for, for Lady Deathstrike. And is wondering, you know, are we really all that different? Why is deep in thought? And Gambit cuts up behind him, hits him with the bow staff. And I guess he's got, does he have a gun on his bow staff? Or like a blaster? Or maybe he just has, I know he can use his power to charge it, but he's... He's got the, the, the bow staff, like, he's got Wolverine pinned. He's got the bow staff on his neck. And it's like, bang, you dead. You know, like, I won the simulation. Um, I don't remember his bow staff, like, having, like, ammo or anything. But I don't know, maybe it does. But kind of a, an interesting scene and a weird scene because Jubilee's in the control room silently crying. And it, I don't really know why she would be crying necessarily here. I mean, obviously, it, it's sad to get Wolverine to see your, your buddy get beat up on. You're kind of almost like big brother figure. You don't want to see him lose, but, I mean, it's just one little tussle, and he's not really dead. So, I don't know. It's, it's interesting that she gets really, really... I know there's some big old tears. <laughs> um, 
So then Jean Grey, you know, remembers some stuff from her past, gets in Cerebro, and encounters the Shadow King. And Psylocke has to break her out. Um, which is cool, because when Psylocke goes in the astral form to break her out, she's got some really cool armor on. And they, they kind of bond a little bit. Um, which will be interesting, considering some of what we get in the, in, down the line with them. But um, anyway... They bond over that, and then we're back to Gene, Storm, and Cyclops outside talking about what they're going to do. The new mutants are going to go do their thing. Um, and Scott and Gene say, you know, we got to go back to X-Factor. But then the X-Men, who's going to be Psylocke, Gambit, Wolverine, Jubilee, Banshee, and Forge, they've, they've readopted kind of the yellow and blue uniform. Kind of a play on the old original uniform, but you know, modern up from the 90s a little bit, and a very, what we would consider now, a very classic uniform. Um, yeah, so they're gonna they're gonna stick with Storm as our X Factor crew leaves. Um, and then Lila Cheney shows up, and I think Cyclops and Jean are still caught up as she teleports everyone out of here and says, Professor Xavier needs your help. He's in big time trouble. We gotta go gotta go save him. And Cyclops is like, huh, what's going on back there? But I think they get pulled into the teleportation bubble, I'm pretty sure. Um and that's that's where we end. So the art, like I said, is a jam issue, but most of it's really good. Um The story is definitely, you know, a transitional story, but we got a cool like sequence of Wolverine fighting Gambit in the danger room um, you know and even fighting like a, a fake Lady Deathstrike and some pretty good art there um, you know it is kind of you know rearranging the chessboard so to speak kind of one of those kind of stories um, I, I enjoy like the conversation like them arguing with Cable and even kind of doubting themselves but coming back in the end that we're you know got to keep all the teams together um yeah it's an interesting issue and definitely sets up kind of the next couple of arcs you know chris claremont back to really tying the threads in, in multiple subplots and as we move forward into the next story um which will be you know the hunt for professor x um which by the way have a pretty cool episode lined up for that um, if all goes according to plan um, we'll have a, a really nice guest for for those next block of issues um, you know this one I'm kind of between I don't know I think it's definitely a very strong 4 out of 6 clause I'm not sure if it quite, quite crosses into that 5 out of 6 territory um I mean, it's close. It's close to five. I mean, I enjoy, you know, all the interaction, but I, I think I'm going to go with just a really high four. It's a, it's a nice, solid story that kind of is an intermission. It's a nice aftermath to the Extinction Agenda, setting up the next, like I said, round of stories. Um... I would have, you know, preferred maybe seeing like one artist all the way through. Um, then the jam issue is not a, it's not a bad thing, and, and all the artists did a pretty good job, like I said. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
as far as not having like a major kind of plot to move forward, it was still a nice kind of breather. But it wasn't necessarily like the classic, like, you know, relaxing baseball game issue either. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, if I was doing this episode with somebody else and they were high on it, I probably could be talking to a five. But, you know, by myself sitting here, um, I think I'm going to do four out of six claws. But it's a very, very solid, very high four out of six claws for Uncanny X-Men 273. So, yeah, so next up, um, we'll have our regular episodes probably between now and then, but um, the next flashback episode will be the return of Professor X and uh, how that all kind of works out because there's some, there's some uh, twists and turns in there as well. Um, so, yeah, there you go. So hopefully you enjoyed this uh, bite-sized b- 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 bonus episode um, on the Extinction Agenda Aftermath. So... As always, for the podcast that goes snicked, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. You uh, can leave an iTunes review if you want. Um, show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com. And I think that's it. I think that's everything. Um, obviously, Facebook shares, Twitter retweets are, are very much appreciated. If you feel so compelled, uh, it definitely kind of helps. Um, I've seen a little bit more of that lately and seen some, you know, some nice trend in the, in the download. So I do definitely appreciate that very much. Um, so like I said, if you feel compelled to do so and you're enjoying the show, definitely, definitely appreciate that. So, all right, well, that's going to do it. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snacked.